Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. Here it is. Hey, hey, that sounds like we are live. There we go. I'm gonna check it out, make sure that we're live on the screen. I don't see us going yet, but hey, we're we're gonna go. So, welcome to what was formerly known as the Canadian Personal Finance Hangout. So I'm gonna go into a little bit of a a story here. Actually, I'm gonna say. Uh, Regular panelist, I almost jumped the gun on the introductions. We've got Rob Engen from Boomer and Echo, uh, standard moderator for what we do here. Rob, how's it going? How was your week? Really good, thanks. Nice, nice. And Sandy in black and white. Sandy is a fee-only financial planner with Spring Personal Finance. And uh, Sandy, how was your week? It was excellent. Did you get in any fights at all this week online or anything like that? Only with Rob. Okay, good. Um, okay, so here we that go. That was last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, well, hey. Um, There's time. So what we've got going is it's episode two. Last week we had our introductory episode of Canadian Personal Finance Hangout, and for week two we have a rebrand, and I'm excited to uh, talk about this. Um, we're having a name change. There is a movement afoot. Whoa. Ah. Ah. Sorry. Okay, hold and on. And then Regina went black. Uh-oh. I can hear... Can you guys hear that? Yeah, we can hear you. I can't hear anything else. No. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. Whoa. Sorry, guys. My... I... Uh, did you pick up a baseball game or something? No, I I had the I thought I had the window open and I had it muted, so I started talking to myself on the YouTube channel. So all of a sudden we were all talking. Sorry guys, I I apologize. Sorry everybody live. <laughs> Apparently we are going live. I was talking to myself and I closed the window immediately, but I kept talking. I had the YouTube channel open and another one. I promise never to make that rookie mistake again. Anyways, jumping straight back into our uh, rebrand. Um, there's a movement afoot by linguists to create what is called the prepositional because or the because noun. An example of that would be the sun is about to flip upside down, but don't panic. It's going to be fine because science. I like that. So Sandy shared an article online that goes into full detail, and I'm going to read you a quote from that. The prepositional because conveys a certain universality. When I say, for example, the talks broke down because politics, I'm not just describing a circumstance, I'm also describing a category. In making a grand yet ironized claims, announcing a situation and commenting on that situation at the same time, I'm offering an explanation and rolling my eyes. I'm able to do it with one little word. Because variety, because internet, because language. So we have decided to name our podcast Because Money. Why? Because money. 
And it's a whole lot easier to say than the Canadian personal finance hangout. And I'll be honest, it's a lot cooler. So, uh, Sandy, Rob, what do, what do you guys think? Because money. I'm, I'm well, totally sold on the name. I'm sold on it, and I like the hashtag a lot better, too, because money. I love it. I think we can use that. So if you're on Twitter and you want to talk with us, um, hit us on the hashtag because money. Considerably better than hashtag PFHCA, which meant nothing to anybody. So okay, so let's uh, let's do that. If you want to hit us on Twitter, hashtag because money, and there we go. So let's go to the first story. And actually, I'm going to a story that I found. We did. Uh, Gordon McCallum, the president of First Foundation, and I did a, a video on the annual state of the residential mortgage market in Canada. And uh, typically, the mortgage market stuff is very dry information. And CAMP, which is the Canadian Association of Accredited Mortgage Professionals, puts out the annual state of the residential mortgage market in Canada. It's like a 30-some page document. And I came across a real interesting little tidbit that I wanted to discuss with you guys. Um, let me read it here. Most consumers agree with the proposition that low interest rates have meant that a lot of Canadians have become homeowners over the past few years who probably should not be homeowners. However, while consumers believe other people have been irresponsible with their money, their responses to other questions show that they believe their own behavior has been responsible. It is clear. It isn't clear how we can reconcile the paradox of widespread, widespread positive belief, beliefs of self versus widespread skepticism of others. It is likely that beliefs about other people are shaped by messages in the media and from pundits. Sandy, I'm going to you. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I think it's more than likely. I think. <laughs> I think it's almost certain. And. Yeah, I think that people, and I will say this from personal experience, I'm not going to even point out anybody else because that way lies offense. I am really good at thinking I've got things all together and everybody else is an idiot. And therefore, and that's where, and that's where all of the certain amazing, wonderful advice comes from all the time. Like, well, obviously you need to do it this way because I know what I'm doing and you're an idiot. Even though it's obviously nobody ever really thinks everybody else is an idiot, but and I think it comes from the idea that yeah, I I have absorbed all the information. I read all those news posts or blog posts or whatever, and now I'm going to tell you what's what. I don't know. What do Rob, you think, what, Rob? Yeah, what do you what do you think, Rob? I'm curious <clears throat> on your take. Well, I mean, the obviously low interest rates are making. Uh, you know, your monthly payments more affordable. But even I'm seeing now as you drive into uh, different subdivisions around, you know, where I live in Lethbridge, and I'm seeing, you know, bi-weekly payments or own your own home, bi-weekly payments for just whatever. So it makes the monthly pay or makes the payment seem even lower. And people are thinking, you know, this is this is great. So it's it, it's part marketing and then and then certainly part of our own beliefs and perceptions of others, you know, whether it's keeping up with the Joneses or looking down on others who, you know, you see someone move in down the street and you're thinking, oh, how did they afford that house? You know, it must have been a gift from mom and dad or whatever, right? We form our own beliefs around it and we've got everything figured out and everyone else is either cheating the system or getting a gift or, uh, you know, who, who knows how they're getting by. 
Well, it's just, I find it so interesting, and I love the question in the report. How do we reconcile the fact that people believe everyone is else is irresponsible, but yet they're extremely responsible? It just, it it's actually quite that matches my experience dealing with clients. When I'm dealing with clients, they feel like they can take on the world. They've got, you know, hey, we're both working full-time. Let's go. Let's put both of our incomes together. Let's get a house. Well, what happens if Matt leave shows up? You know, like, yeah. what? there's no real planning. And in just the level of confidence that people go into just their daily life and finance kind of shocks me. And I do, I see it. And I see people kind of saying to other people, like oh well oh, oh well, no they're they're not good with their money you know and it's okay let's let's look at ourselves first I well com- I and compared to hard. compared to driving right we're all above average drivers and everyone else on the road is an idiot right you know <laughs> that's the that's the perfect comparison and uh, so the same is happening in in you know in mortgages it's happening with our finances we're all we all are overly confident in our job security. Uh, when we all know a round of layoffs can come just like that if the economy tanks, you know, no matter how secure you think your industry is or your position is. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lot of overconfidence, I think, in our, in our finances in, in a lot of our lives. Fair Do enough. you know what, though? I actually think that it's a, we, there's, some, there's some kind of split personality thing happening, though, too. Because while on the one hand, we're all, we're all very certain about what other people should be doing, I don't think that necessarily that means that it, it correlates with 100% certainty in what we're doing. It's very easy. I think. I think. Oh, I've got it. I've got it now. It's very easy to tell other people what to do because you're not inside that. You're not emotionally inside their money decisions or anything else. But I find. I mean, when I talk to clients in the bank and now in my own practice, so many people think that everybody else knows what they're doing and therefore they must be idiots. I think it's the mirror image of that, because we, and I don't know how to re- reconcile those two views of people, but I think that that's going on all the time. People feel like there's something out there, there's secret sauce that they don't know about, and if they could just access the optimal formula for how much to save or whatever, then they would be as smart as everybody else. So how do you reconcile those two things? People think they're idiots, and they think everybody else is idiots too. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I I kind of point towards the marketing. I you know being a more of a marketing guy now in in the game, it's it's interesting to look at marketing messages and how to effectively communicate with people. Because what is the news? I I hate to go out there, but everything's okay doesn't sell newspapers. You know, it's. It's all about taking it a little bit further, a little bit further, and pushing the envelope. You know, I mean, I've, I've got no problem saying that because I'm a writer. I get it. I write on my blog. I use my material to try and get clients in the door. But how, how much can you write about, hey, this is good financial management without pushing the line? But So a lot of the people, and I'm not even just saying the average person, I'm saying the more extremist takes it to the edge. They get the headlines, and now the... The whole economy's crashing, and then in the next article, I mean, everything's great. We've got nothing to worry about. Invest in rental properties, condos in Toronto. And then the next day, everything's crashing down. And it's just, I think that has a lot to do with the the public perception of, oh, well, if everything's crashing, other people must be idiots because I know that what I'm doing is good. And I think right. that's how that's how I reconcile it. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
All right. Well, then we're moving on to the next one. Um, part of what we do on uh, Because Money, I love saying that, uh, is we've got the, the Canadian personal finance community, and we're, we ask questions there. And we actually uh, we got a question. Uh, we got a question from Elisa Christopher. Elisa, thank you for asking your question. She starts and she says, I'm not sure if this is the right forum to ask my question, but here it goes. And Lisa, it's exactly the right forum. So uh, we're going to talk about this first little background. I promise to be short and sweet. Over the past six years, I've worked to eliminate our family debt, which I'm guessing was in the ballpark of close to uh, 50000 that's excellent. That's amazing. I'm ecstatic to say that as of September, everything is paid off with the exception of non-interest-bearing provincial government loan with a balance of approximately $6,000. This loan is scheduled to be paid off over the next three years with monthly payments of 187 bucks. My question to you is whether or not I should focus on paying this loan out as soon as possible to be completely debt-free, or should I just continue to make monthly payments and focus on building RSP, paying down mortgage, saving in the TFSA? That's a great question, because I think that opens up the, the floor to us to have a conversation about the, the theory of managing your money. And I know, Sandy, you want to start on this, so I'm, I'm pointing to you. Go. Oh man. Do you know and I don't I love that people jumped in and, and gave their advice. And you can find this. Rob actually pointed me there's a you know, there's a subreddit, there's I mean everywhere. People you can ask questions anywhere and there will be people that give their advice. And it's funny, we were talking about this earlier that from from my experience there's two camps of advice. There's the optimizer, kind of what's the mathematical exact way to do this approach. And then there's the behavioral approach, which I also like to call the hippy-dippy approach, <laughs> which is the one where you go, well, how do you feel about that? Well, tell me more about... And I don't think that one is necessarily right and one is wrong. I think that one is right for a particular kind of personality, and one is not right for that particular kind of personality. And I don't know what kind of personality Lisa has. Um, but I think it's really important to understand how you think about your money when you're asking questions like that or when you're answering them or when you're just dealing with your own finances or your spouse you know people think about money in really different ways and so what someone else might think well, doesn't mathematically that's stupid of course you're gonna not pay off something that you don't have to pay any interest on you're gonna use that money and maximize it start earning interest build up your tax-free savings account to X number of dollars so that you have an emergency fund and then spread this loan out as long as possible and that makes sense mathematically, but I wonder if it makes sense emotionally. And I wonder what other kind of stress points that might create in the, you know, in budget creation and deciding whether they're going to go on a vacation or not. And and again, that's why I call it hippy dippy because it's so it depends. How do you feel? Anyway, that's what I think. Yeah, like when you put, uh, I was in this situation with a student loan, so we had paid off credit card debt and kind of got back on the right track. And so we were left with, uh, you know, around that, around, you know, five dollars $6,000 of student loan. It was not interest-free. I, I want to move to that province. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, 35 4%. It was nothing too crazy. So, you know, I kept paying it was probably double the minimum payments until it was just within, like, a, with, I called it within striking distance, I guess, until it was down to about $2,000 where I had that money in, I guess, what you'd call an emergency fund or an opportunity fund. And then I just decided, okay, well, I have nothing better to do with this money other than I want to kill this debt and get get it out of my life. So then we became debt free, and 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 then continued on. You know, I put that put that couple hundred dollars a month to work elsewhere, and you know, 
RSPs and whatnot. So, you know, I think, you know, at $6,000, I wouldn't say that's within striking distance, and the fact that it's not, um, you know, it's, it has no interest on it, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it right now. I'd kind of focus on other areas, but once you get it down to that, you know, $2,000, $3,000, maybe, maybe it's time to just put that away, you know, rather than paying it off till 2020. See, in the way the way I looked at it, I actually approached this a little differently. I kind of approached this uh, to have some fun with it. Before I read any of the answers, because I kind of came to the party late, there was already five or six answers on the on the thread, and I thought, hmm, how would I approach this? If I were actually to give financial advice, which I don't do, I've I can give mortgage advice, but the personal finance side not really my gig but I thought okay well what if if what what would I say and honestly what I came up with was how does it make you feel because if if she's already a homeowner so it would be pay down your mortgage the only the only thing that I default to is okay if you're saving up for a property uh, a liability of $187 a month goes against your debt service ratio not too hard. What you'd rather have is more money saved up for a down payment to make sure that you can get into the property. Don't pay down a low payment debt if you can save up a bigger down payment to get into a property. But seeing as though she's already owned a home, it's more like how does that debt make you feel? Is the debt holding you back from doing other things? Is this going to emotionally take you to a place where you feel the weight of your debt? And if that's the case, hammer it. Pay it down as fast as you can, become debt-free, get the freedom, and then move forward with confidence in your plan. However, if you're the type of person that can say, numbers make sense, why would I pay that interest-free one-off, when I could be earning whatever, 3% in a TFSA, let's make the numbers work and take the TFSA. But that's where I was. And then I was actually quite happy to see Sandy um, kind of doing the hippy-dippy thing and saying, and then, uh, which is kind of bizarre for me because I never thought I'd be the hippy-dippy guy. But uh, <laughs> that's that's where I was at. So. But I think a lot of that was in her question, like, or should I become, or I want to become yeah. debt-free or whatever. It was, it was already kind of, you know, that that was in there already and so you you kind of think well I, I, I get the feeling that she wants to be rid of this debt and she's wondering if that yeah. actually makes sense because she's not paying interest on it. Yeah. yeah. You know what that goes back even to that whole question like she, I'm sure if, she, if in a vacuum she didn't think that anybody else knew anything she would be very confident in going forward and saying I want to get rid of that and here are my reasons goodbye or, or whatever you know what I mean from read, just reading the tone of her question and because there's this whole world of personal finance bloggers and news and the five-minute segment on the, the social show or whatever, she's questioning her own choices and her own, like, you know what I mean, her own priorities and wanting to run it past people who don't have the whole story. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and it's like the RSP versus mortgage. It's... Um it's going to, like, either way, if you have that extra cash flow, that's a good thing. And whether you pay down your mortgage or contribute to your RSP, also a good thing. You're not going to make a bad choice there. You know, whether if you if you put it into some crazy mining stock in your RSP, that might be crazy. But, um, you know, the fact that you're actually saving the money and you have the cash flow and you're wondering how to improve your net, what's going to improve your net worth, you know, who cares if it does it a little bit faster either way, it's still a good thing. Yeah. Yep. 
Absolutely. I agree 100%. Okay, so let's move on to the next story. Uh, Sandy, you wanted to go through a segment called Thumbs Are For Hitchhiking With, Not For Making Rules. That's a great <laughs> blog title. Thumbs Are For Hitchhiking, Not Making Rules. Uh, I'm opening the floor to you. What are you talking about here? Because I got no idea. Well, I th- this obviously everything's going full circle today. But um, this, to me, is it talks a lot about what the you know what the media talks about when we talk about money. So we talk about rules of thumb, and we say, oh, you know, you should be saving. Rob and I were talking about this before. Oh, you should save 70 percent of your income should be in retirement because you know that's just the rule of thumb. You need seventy percent of your current employment income in order to to be happy and to be content in retirement. And and my joke is always. <laughs> What's the only answer that you're that's going to be a hundred percent correct? It's it depends. I don't know. Do you need seventy percent? It depends. It depends on what other pension you have or what kind of lifestyle you have. Maybe you need a hundred and ten percent, which is mathematically possible. So why do I don't? Yeah, I don't know. I can think of a lot of them, a lot of rules of thumb that I would love to go through, but that's one in particular that really. Or you know, if you have an interest-free debt, don't pay it off. That's a kind of a rule of thumb that might not be apt every single time. Yeah. Yeah, and like going back to the interest-free one, like I, I see a lot. Like you, know, I don't see a lot of interest-free loans, but um, you know the ones where you're borrowing. So let's say your mortgage, for example. It's if your mortgage is at two and a half percent, well, you should be investing rather than putting, you know, than paying extra on your mortgage. You know, because you can get eight percent in the stock market. Well, can you? Like the actual risk-free return is around what you're paying for your mortgage. So you're not really gonna, you're not guaranteed to come out ahead there. And so that's, you know, I think that's where Sandy's going with the whole personal finance bloggers and writers trying to optimize your your finances. But you're, um, you know, that that might not be the actual optimization or optimal way to go. And you know, the same thing can be said for the retirement uh, income. You know who came up with seventy percent, and you know I've seen anywhere from when you're looking at, okay, you're not going to be paying a mortgage anymore. Hopefully, you're not going to be saving for retirement anymore because you're already retired, and hopefully your kids are moved out and haven't boomeranged and come back home. And you know, so at maybe seventy percent is way too high, and it's like forty percent. But maybe you put off all your travel plans and everything else you wanted to do in your life while you raised your kids, and now you want to go, you know, spend every weekend in Italy. And uh, that's going to cost you 110% of your income. So, you know, I, I, I agree with Sandy. Like, uh, the rule of thumb doesn't apply to everybody, and, uh, and the answer is it depends. Well, there we go. I like it. Okay, so let's, uh, let's move on to another story. This one, uh, Sandy wasn't sure if we were going to have time for. Uh, I picked it up on Twitter, and uh, this one came to us through, what's that cat's name? Mark? Sandy? Yeah, Mark, Mark Seed from My Own Advisor. There we go. Mark uh, shared an article um, uh, talking about why every Canadian should get a paycheck. Rob, why don't you talk a bit about this? Uh, apparently it's going on in Switzerland, or there's a proposal that you've read or something, and you know way more than you should about it, so I'm going to let you take this one on. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I don't know way more than I should, but I did read the uh, proposal in which was in Switzerland, where they seem to know a lot about money, and uh, it was that every every citizen, I guess, should have a guaranteed a minimum of ten thousand uh, dollars a year, 
And so I guess it's that social safety net. And so, so just you know, to be we've clear, been talking here about pension reform. So that would be basically get rid of social programs <laughs> and instead give all Canadians ten thousand bucks a year. Is that kind of what we're talking about? Rob, are you there? He's blinking. He's blinking. We can see him. <laughs> While Rob's, uh, I feel like I need some kind of like stalling music or something. Yeah, Rob, your microphone's really crappy on us. I'll kick in while Rob is working on his microphone. There we go. There we go. Thanks. So it is. It's meant it, from from Mark's conversation and from that op-ed that he shared on Twitter, it's talking about give every Canadian $10,000 and get rid of old age security, guaranteed income supplement, the allowance, um, Ontario seniors property tax credit, Alberta guaranteed income, all those things. And instead, just give everybody $10,000. It doesn't matter. No means testing. Nobody has to file their tax return. I mean, obviously, you file your tax return, but it's not based on how much you earned the year before. And wouldn't that solve all the problems that we have with... So now, um, would this only be to old people, or would this be to everybody? Everybody. I, I mean... Oh, I, I'm a fan. Totally. I like that. Ten grand a year? I'm in. Kids and everything? But what? hold on, though. But what if... So that's meant to replace... All of the other uh, guaranteed income supplement, old age security. So, a let's say an elderly couple with no other savings. Yeah. Two of them gets twenty thousand dollars a year. Full Perfect. Stop. Great. Oh, Lord. <laughs> with nothing Nailed else. It. Nailed it. Done. Well done, then. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have four kids. That's sixty k in my pocket. You mean that's not the way people would see this? I'm being a little facetious, but... Rob, are you back with us? He looks good, but I can't hear a thing he's saying. No. He looks really pensive, though. Yeah. It's really he looks like he's just sitting through. there. Okay, Rob, if you're still there, just blink your eyes. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. So, Sandy, what are your oh, thoughts on this? Do you, oh, he bounced. Okay, what are your what are your maybe Rob will join us in a little bit. Sorry about the technical difficulties there, uh, everybody out there in internet land. Sandy, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I never have I never have an actual thought about it. Obviously, people think my head is empty anyway. But what are the unintended consequences for something like that? I was reading a um the negative. What was the post? It was by Josiah Neely on the not quite no opinion blog. But uh, economists have done this in the United States. They did four separate non-means-tested general allowance programs, and in every one of them, they found that it reduced the working time of adults by two to four weeks a year. So people didn't work for two to four weeks a year because they just... Now, I'm going to say because, not in the statistical sense, in the judgment sense, because they had this money coming in and they didn't need to work. And I, don't, I am not in the camp that says you need to earn your public pension. I think that a social safety net is important, but how much of a social safety net, how we can afford it, and what consequences it might have on other aspects of society, those are big cogs to fit together. And I don't think just saying, okay, get rid of what we have and instead insert this other thing is going to solve the problem that we have. Does that make okay. sense? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I can live with that. I there's no secret here. I've never been a big fan of uh, social programs, and I don't necessarily I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist and say that our government isn't doing a great job with everything. But I've never been a big fan of government controlled money. I'd much rather have the money and choose to do with it what I want. I mean, you're you're you you put it to me, old couple with twenty thousand or two, yeah twenty thousand a year. Is that a, necessarily the best way for them? Well, I, I I don't know, but I would much rather have the money in my pocket now and uh, bank on the time value of money and my ability, well, uh, my ability to take that money and invest in my future than have a program that may or may not be funded in the future. Now, I know that Rob would have something to say against that and uh, the idea that CPP may or may not be around, but he's not here right now, he's so he can't being... really say anything about it. Sorry, Rob. And he Let's may or may stuff that he thinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rob would be totally in favor of getting rid of CPP altogether. Actually, I think he actually... <laughs> I think he's a big fan of CPP, and uh, yeah. What are you, so? What are your thoughts on CPP? Is it going away, Sandy? No, no, it's not going away. It'll be modified. It almost seems inevitable right now that it'll be changed by a lot. The formula for calculating it, I can see. Again, CPP is another cog in the wheel, right? So how that affects other benefits is important. What are the unintended consequences? So it's just me asking more questions, right? But I can see if they increase, so right now, if you make more than $50,500 a year, you don't get that replaced in retirement. Your Canada Pension Plan only really covers your pensionable earnings, which are $50,500 a year for this year. goes up fairly regularly. But, oh man, he keeps trying to get in and he just can't. Um, I lost my train of thought because Rob tried to join the call. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, so to me, if you want to increase, I mean, it's it's a contributory program, so it's not the same argument. We're not talking about something that's a social safety net. It's something that we put our money into, even if you're self-employed, you put your money into it, the government takes care of it for you, and then pays you a certain replacement of that salary based on how much you've made every year. So if we increase how much you can make, so we increase the cap, let's say, so that somebody that works and make $70,000 a year, can still have that income replaced through a pension. That kind of makes sense. But it also makes sense to let them have the money that they would in an increased cap environment have it themselves. Like you said, just give them the money. Let yeah. them invest it. Let me do what I want with my money, and I don't trust... Like To me, it's just... I. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for from day one. The understanding that somebody else is going to take my money or that I would ever even bank on that, like, I... No, I, I'm not banking on that. I, I, I get that some people do, but they go to work, they work hard, and they there's a safety structure in place, and it works for them. It's part of their planning. I get it. But for a guy like me, I've never even looked at that. That's just crazy. Why would somebody else pay for me? Like, that's the way I approach it. And it's, I get it. I'm paying taxes. I'm paying in. It's mine. And if I want to take out, well, good for me. But I, it, it's not even close to being on my radar just as an entrepreneur. I pay it, but that's it. So, so that, I don't know if so I'm normal or typical or whatever. No, I, I mean, I talk to a lot of clients who tell me, just don't even include that. When we're talking about my retirement income, I don't even want to talk about CPP or yeah. OAS at all. Um, which I... In a way, I mean, for somebody, especially some people that have earned the maximum through their life, so somebody earning $50,000 this year, yep. 
that's right now. If they were 65 right now, they'd be getting somewhere in the range of $30,000 for a couple between old age security and CPP. So $30,000 a year in retirement income that you just want to leave off the table and invest otherwise. If you have the ability, this is what I always say, look, you can be cynical about CPP all you want if you have the ability to replace the income that other people are banking on, if you want to use that term. So if you're going to save like a wild person to replace $30,000 of retirement income every year, be my guest. You're not going to look back and say, oh gosh darn it, I wish I hadn't. Although you might if you have to take it out of your RSP and then pay a huge amount of tax on it. I don't know. Again, it depends. But when we talk about, I just, the thing that bothers me the most about talking about pension reform is that no, it's, it's rare that anyone will define the problem. So for old age security, we want to reform old age security. To me, it doesn't seem fair that somebody that earns $114,000 doesn't get old age security or that somebody that earns $84,000 in a year gets it but has it clawed back or whatever. Well, it doesn't seem fair isn't a really good basis on which to build policy, in my opinion. So you have to say, okay, so what is the program for? What's old age security for? I, I can't say, I can't determine for every Canadian what they want that program to be for, but if we determine what the problem is, and then we say, and this is how I think we can fix it, uh, I think that is better than just saying, I think it's unfair, and you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> and how much have I thought about old age security? See, Sandy, we're not old yet, although we're kind of getting there. I oh. I think it was actually a couple weeks ago that I realized, I think I'm an adult now. <laughs> yeah, I've got three kids and one coming. And I, you know, it's like a wife. I've been married for seven years, and it still kind of hit me. Ooh, I guess I could be a Mr. Middleton. But, yeah, old age security, that's just depressing thinking about that. But... Um, anyways, it doesn't look like Rob is uh, going to join us again. So um, I am extremely happy that you shared this one last article with us. Uh, you shared it in the community, uh, the Canadian personal finance community, that I would expect everybody else to join and have join the conversation there. From The Motley Fool, you shared an article called Stupid Things Finance People Say. And I, I think there's so many good ones on this list. Do you have any favorites? Or uh, I, my, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling for my favorite. Uh, he was tired of throwing his money away renting, so he bought a house. He knows a mortgage is renting from a bank, right? That was a good one. <laughs> We're constructing. Like where he was, he was right about the market crash in 2008. Yeah. And also 1993 and 1994 and 1993. Yeah, 2006, 2004, 2003, 2001, 98, 97. Yeah. I like that. There are more, I like this one. There are more buyers than sellers. This is the equivalent of saying someone has more fathers and there is one buyer and one seller in every trade. Every single trade. There is never more buyers than sellers. Oh, Lord. Looks like Rob's <laughs> trying to join us. Rob, are you there? Can you hear me? Rob, hello. Rob. Rob. Not happening. Ooh, our bullish... I like... Oh, I can kind of hear him. Hey, Rob, you're back. Major Tom nope. to ground yeah. control. Yeah. Because what was that? Major Tom. I don't know what's going on with you. You're kind of just sitting there blinking your eyes. Can you hear us now? Ah. Rob, are you there? <laughs> I, 
Because That's computers. wild. Yeah, because computers. Because internet. Because, because Windows. <laughs> I like this one. Our bullish case is conservative. Oh, heaven. And it's not a bullish case. It's a conservative case. Those words mean opposite things. We want to talk about feeding the goat. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to bring that back. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what do we got? Uh, they don't have any debt except for a mortgage and student loans. <laughs> 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 and I'm a vegan except for bacon wrapped steak. <laughs> Rob, are you there? I can kind of hear you now. Can you hear us? Rob, you're muted. Unmute us. Can you hear us now? Rob, unmute us. He, he... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Sandy, say something funny and I'll chat him. Hey, guys. Until... Hey, there you go. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Yay! Hey, you're back. Yay. Our sec our about public pensions. I'm yeah, back. We're, we were talking about CPP and public pensions. Go. <laughs> what did I miss? We expounded on what we think you believe. I think we should expand CPP. See, I told everybody that in your absence you thought that we should abolish it. But hey, I mean, oh, you no. better. Uh, yeah. No. 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 I'm putting words no, in no, your mouth. That's, that's what I do. Never. Okay. Rob hates CPP and wants to get rid of it. Okay, go, Rob. Tell us. Okay, no, no. Don't hate it. I love it. I think, uh, I think it accompli- expanding it accomplishes two things. We want people to save more. And what do we tell people? Uh, we tell people to automatically, or to make it automatic and to it'll just whisk off your paycheck and you won't even notice. So increasing CPP contributions can do that and give people that kind of that safety net of the defined benefit plan that seems to be disappearing everywhere um, to actually have a semi-comfortable retirement. So do you think that they should increase the cap as well? Like, so make it so that people who earn more money can potentially get more out of CPP instead of just keeping it at the 50000 adjusted every year? Sorry, can you repeat that? Um... <laughs> So, you know, obviously there's an earnings cap, right? Your pensionable earnings this year yes. were 50500 So do you think that to increase, I mean, to target how that increase or the expansion of CPP happens, should we just say that instead of it being a 50500 cap, if you make $99,000, we should be able to put CPP on all of that? I'm no policymaker, so <laughs> it's kind of... It, 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 it might have to go there. I mean, the earnings cap is going to have to go up, I would imagine, is how you would get there. Yeah. Huh. Whereas I am a policymaker, obviously. <laughs> okay, so you were about to, you were about to uh, tell us all about Sweden's proposal on uh, giving the country a paycheck instead of uh, defined pension plans and all that good stuff. So why don't you, why don't you go into that? Uh, I think it was Switzerland, but so Switzerland. I don't know that I, I I don't know that the, just the ten thousand dollar blanket across the board is uh, is a good thing. I like the like having it somehow tied to what you contributed, uh, you know, while you were working, and so 
Um, that's where I kind of took it back to the CPP and how the CPP reform, you know, obviously we're, you're going to be collecting it later in life. You're going to be, we're going to have to contribute more to it to, uh, you know, to keep things going and to, with the demographic changes. But I like that, um, I like it uh, that it would be tied to what you put into it as well, not just to blanket across the board. Do you think there's a so place be interesting. Go ahead. So I, I was just going to say it's, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, how this passes there. Um, you know, to see to see how well how, you know to see how people respond to you know ten thousand dollars across the board because you know Canadians we always get labeled as the socialist, giving everybody a safety net and. And uh, which okay, that's uh, you know I, I do agree that we should you know people shouldn't have to live in in poverty and you know bad stuff happens to people you know health problems and whatnot and they have to uh, you know we have to be able to take care of people in in our society so uh, I like that there's a safety net there but um, you know I, I, we're also you know we've got this financial literacy task force we're you know, it, it, nothing seems to be getting through. You know, we've got to teach people in high school, okay, well, they're not, they don't have any real-world money experience. And so what's going to be there for them when they when they try to retire at 65 or 70? And uh, and if we can't make them save, then maybe we can um, make them save through in increased CPP. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to the Twitter. We actually have our first statement on the Twitter. Hashtag because money. Uh, Andrew from Toronto says, I think CPP will remain about the same in the future. OAS will probably be further reduced for those with means. Sandy? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Um, we were talking about this with Mark Seed originally. About He just wants to stop it at 70000 He thinks that would make the most sense. Just if you make more than $70,000, you don't really need the security, the income security that old age security provides. I can see why the government wants to have a graduated decrease in the benefit, so that if you make 71000 you get slightly less, you make 72000 you get slightly less, because they don't want someone who makes $70,000 get this extra benefit that somebody who makes $70,001 doesn't. So well, I can see the... Okay, I'm just throwing this out there, and, and maybe, what about financial planners or strategies that have you pay into segregated funds and as a way to hide your money so that you have, you could start taking uh, a loan against your segregated fund to reduce your income so you get old age security? Well, no, because that's actually, and, and uh, you guys both know that I'm not financially literate, but when I sat in front of uh, somebody, that's what they pitched to me, is this is what we do. We throw all your money into a segregated fund, and then when you're old, you'll receive all the benefits because you'll have no income on paper, trying to game the system. Is that gaming the system, or is that commonplace? Have you guys heard that before? I think it's a marketing tactic to uh, get you to go into a segregated fund that uh, you know whoever sold it to you is going to take three percent of your, you know, three percent oh, a year. Yeah. On. yeah. So I mean, yeah, here's a cool way to hide your money until until and save on taxes and, and whatnot. But uh, you're gonna you're gonna pay you're gonna pay for it. Yeah. Now pay me, versus pay later. Me right? instead of the tax man. Yeah. It's a way to pay my financial planner yeah. instead of the tax man. I got it. But yeah, that's. 
anyways. Well, back to the I need to make one more point because I have I know somebody that really tried hard to pitch me this back about four or five years ago, based on income. Ta- I mean, it's really just an income tax loophole in a way that money that you borrow against your insurance policy isn't taxed. I don't think that Revenue Canada, if that started becoming like the dominant process, I don't think Revenue Canada is that stupid. I don't think that hinging your entire livelihood in retirement on a rule that is is basically within the limits taking money away from Revenue Canada is really the wisest way to go, frankly, plus lining the pockets of the person who sold it to you in the first place. <laughs> so we can all agree on that. There we go. Done. Any any final closing thoughts, uh, Rob? Any anything to say? Well, no. Oh no, we're back. We're back to blanking, Rob. Can you hear me, Rob? If you can blink. Rob's final thought is, "Wow, yeah. we're so smart." Yeah. <laughs> oh, my audio went dead again. Oh, there we go. Hey, you're back. Uh-oh. You're back. You're back. Because internet. because internet okay Sandy I'm leaving it up to you final thoughts what are you blogging about this week what can we expect to see on your blog oh heavens Uh, I'm going to be blogging the next time anything gets posted it's going to be about how I break two of the founding tenets of personal finance wisdom I still pay for banking and I don't put all my purchases on a credit card (gasps) wish Jackson would message me and tell me how to fix my audio yeah, <laughs> I actually heard that, which is kind of awesome. Because I can't hear anything. Oh, no. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, we'll have to get you a microphone, so we'll do that. Episode 3 will be brought to you by Radio Shack, where we go and pick up microphones and other accessories. So, Rob, if you can't hear me, we're going to leave. Uh, let's go like this, Sandy, like this. And we're going to bounce, and then I'll talk with you guys later. Thanks for watching us out in Internet land. And, Andrew, thanks for being our first and only comment of the show. We really appreciate you. So, All right. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, I will see you next Wednesday, and we will be in the same bad time, same bad place. Ciao. Good, goodbye. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involved no ads or other sponsorship, be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.